Want to spend less in your low-tox life? That is what we're talking about on today's show. Welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 346, and you have just me. I have had a lot of DMs lately about how to save money, what are some of the swaps you can make that don't cost much, if anything. And on today's show, I thought I would go through food, body, home, and mind and give you a few ideas for each where you can save a ton of money, shift your thinking, and uh, still lead a beautiful low-tox life. Because one of the things that I always find to be an unexpected learning piece for everybody who embarks upon the low-tox life journey is that you realize, if we're doing it right, and it's certainly what I teach, that if you shift your thinking on needing to swap every single little thing that you have now for a low-tox version of that thing, uh, and you actually think more about what you can do away with and let go of, uh, then that is actually a huge piece of it. And to layer on top of that as well, think about the kind of conventional culture of new thing comes out, got to check out new thing. Like I remember when I was in cosmetics and we would bring out a new face cream and there'd be a launch and there'd be a gift with purchase and there'd be a offer for a facial or, you know, all these things that we would put together to generate excitement for the new thing that's coming out. Now, humans, if we think about us before we built up this crazy, big, beautiful modern world, uh, not so beautiful sometimes that we live in, before all of that, we've always been excited for and anticipating what's coming up that's new. It's called seasonal eating and seasonal roaming. And so uh, this is actually an intrinsic part of our nature and desire and seeking. And if we can actually tune back into the good versions of that, the healthy aspects of that, and let go of always looking for what's new in a world that is constantly serving us something new that we have to buy to be enough or to feel good, or to uh, relax, all the things, then that can be a really powerful shift and it can help us save a lot of money, whether you need to or not, when transitioning to a low-tox life. It definitely puts less burden on the planet because, of course, less stuff means less intensity of needing to produce in the first place. So that's one of the themes that I'm going to unpack a little bit as I talk through some of the examples. Uh, If you are new to the show, uh, 
I'm Alex. I founded the Low Tox Life Movement, coined the phrase Low Tox back in uh, 2009 now when my newborn was having a nap and I was brainstorming what I wanted to call this transition towards uh, healthier people and a happier planet, but doing it in such a way that didn't involve all the shaming and judgment and not feeling good enough and falling off bandwagons and going gung-ho to the point of burnout and not being able to sustain the changes. It was something that I had um, thought about a lot on my own journey of change towards having to initially uh, clean up my food because of health reasons uh, to then thinking about what I was going to use Uh, During my pregnancy, being a little bit more like, ooh, I'm a bit more careful about what I'm going to use on my skin now that I'm pregnant or, oh my gosh, now I am super careful because I have this perfect little newborn that I don't want to put anything uh, that might harm him on him. Uh, In those stages of learning and growth, I also saw my younger self watching those Oprah episodes where the celebrity protocol would be introduced and then you'd buy the book and I'd see my mum eat grapefruit till midday and I mean all the things, right? And we would do these crazy things and we would do them for two weeks and we would do them so-called perfectly and then we would feel ashamed that we didn't get the same results as a celebrity or that we weren't doing it as well anymore once we realised, newsflash, you can't do perfect uh, long term um, or certainly not someone else's version of perfect. That's even harder to do. And I never wanted on my watch anyone that I was ushering through changes to feel inadequate or like it was a black and white deal, whether you were either great at it or crap at it. And there was nothing in between Um, because we're humans and we fail. And sometimes we need to go with the flow and sometimes we are in control and can do more. And all of the different things, parts of life, seasons, curveballs that happen Uh, mean a lot more self-compassion and compassion towards others is called for as we all try to do our best by people and planet. So if you are brand new, then uh, I'm I'm really welcoming you to today's show and the 345 shows that have been before it in discovering what low-tox living looks like for you, what your priorities are, dive into the areas that matter to you the most right now or that you have the capacity for the most right now or that you have really relevant to you in your life right now and forget the rest. It will all be there when your life season changes or when the budget changes or, you know, I mean, there are so many different things that'll come up. You have a kid for the first time and you might be like, okay, I got to get all over this low-tox kid stuff. And then you go there, right? So different seasons, different priorities, different budgets, different time constraints, so many different factors to why we might do low-tox living the way we're doing it, but we can always do something that we can pat ourselves on the back for and feel great about and that has beautiful ripples of change well beyond us and toward our beautiful planet. Uh, I know I had to teach myself a ton of forgiveness when I then uh, got very sick with mold illness 
uh, and that was about seven years ago now. So I was literally known as the queen of low-tox living and then became incredibly unwell uh, and unwell in a way that I had never been unwell. Uh, And I've spoken about this on other shows that I've been a guest on. You can head to the um, About and the media pages and click on some of the shows where I've been a guest and I unpack the mold journey because there are quite a few. Uh, I Quit Sugar um, podcast was probably one of the more recent ones where I talked about mold quite extensively. Uh, And you can hear the whole story or you can Google So You Think You've Got Mold and Lotox Life in your URL bar and you will get the compendium of all things mold that I've put together over the years on the podcast and interviewing different doctors and how to maybe choose an apartment or a home um, with a bit more certainty that you're not going to fall into a water damage um, secret scenario that was hidden uh, and a whole, I mean, there's so many resources now on mold and there's a massive one coming just around the corner that I'm going to announce in a few days if you're listening to this live. Um, but for today, I really do want to stick to talking about some of those basics. So that's what I'm going to hook into in a little minute. Uh, of course, we can't do this show every single week without our sponsors. And I take great pains in selecting uh, sponsors for our show that are completely aligned with low-tox values and that tick different types of boxes for different types of people. So I just mentioned mold, for example, uh, and yeah, that sometimes means that you need to bring in appliances to your home environment to future-proof your home in terms of preventing mold and preventing moisture, but also in terms of purifying the air if perhaps you have a mold situation or you have someone with allergies or dust mites and you need to clean up the air, you're in an urban situation, you can't just go homesteading and move into the country right now, the work is in the city. There are so many different reasons why the appliances that the wonderful people from Oz Climate, our major sponsor, um, might matter to you. But I genuinely believe, and it, it is one of my my ride or die low-tox swaps, is a dehumidifier. I genuinely believe most people need dehumidification support, whether you live somewhere where it's seasonally humid, whether you um, get big rain bombs and uh, sometimes the moisture's just too much, you're in an older house, there's a shady part of the house, maybe you're a, a family where everybody has their showers one after the other in the evenings, I know that's us, and then your bathroom is 95% humidity Overnight, even if you've used your extraction fans, they are just not good enough to dry a bathroom out completely. So for the bathroom situation alone, having a compact dehumidifier in the bathroom is going to mean you guys stop DMing me, how do I clean mold? And you just don't get it in the first place in your bathroom. So if you've got mold in your bathroom right now, I'd invest in a tradie for a couple of hundred bucks to regrout and uh, re-silicone the edges of your shower recess, for example, and then to put in place a prevention strategy. Just prevent the mould. We haven't had mould in a bathroom that doesn't have a window uh, for the two years that we've lived in the apartment we're in. So that gives you a bit of an example um, of how effective perhaps bringing in a dehumidifier can be. So all the rest of the year of 2023 – you have 10% off the already discounted prices over at ozclimate.com.au 
Uh, and it works on phone orders as well if you want to give them a buzz about different sizes of um, what you might need for where you are. And uh, your code is Lotox Life. Super simple. That dehumidification is important. The Winix Air Purifier is super important coming into allergy season for a lot of folks as well. And then, of course, our sponsor over August, we had that huge mattress giveaway from the Natural Bedding Company, who since that very exciting first week have been giving everybody 20% off their organic latex mattresses, pillows, and the cotton products on their website with the code LOTOXORG, A-U-G, 23, LOTOXORG, 23. And you get 20% off. So we're talking about saving money in low tox. And if getting a new mattress has been on the cards for you for a while, 20% is saving you literally hundreds of dollars. A hugely generous offer. We adore their pillows. That's probably my absolute favorite pillow I've ever owned. Um, really soft and contouring and great for side sleeping, which is my favorite Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of their pillows, especially. And, um, yeah, so you only have a few days left if you're lucky enough to be listening to this live. If not, please, at the very least, follow their work. The Natural Bedding Company are located both in Sydney and on the Gold Coast. Go check out their showrooms. If you're in one of those locations, you will literally never want to leave, Uh, And I'm very grateful for their uh, sponsorship this month for the show. Now let's talk about saving low-tox cash and what that looks like across the different areas of leading a low-tox life. So I'm going to start with food because that is something we all do, regardless of whether you maybe do or don't use body products or do or don't need to change things around at home or um, not really working on low-tox mind stuff right now. I want to do food because it's all of us. And a lot of people, uh, I can see it in our low-tox membership, the low-tox club, uh, which is something you can join anytime if you want to. Uh, that's a great way to save uh, cash because we have a number of special offers in there all the time for really basic, awesome, everyday low-tox things. Um, that help you save on every single order. Um, But that's not why I'm bringing that up. I'm bringing it up because I've noticed a a set of comments starting to pop up around, okay, so we can't keep buying everything organic right now. It's it's gone through the roof or we can't keep um, shopping at the farmer's market for our um, XYZ. There are a lot of budget conscious conversations happening around food. And I want to bring up a few basics that really help you uh, stretch the budget when it comes to food. And my number one thing is that if you looked in your pantry and your freezer today, you've probably got at least 80% of what you need to make a good week and a half's worth of meals. And so my number one uh, money-saving tip is can I add something from the pantry or freezer to this meal to bulk it up and produce 20% more food than I had? Could it be um, soaking some beans during the day while you're at work and then cooking them that night and using them in a stew or casserole so that you're perhaps not buying one kilo of meat for the six-person family 
uh, you're buying 750 grams of meat and you're topping it up with a can of beans and then you're getting a bit of fiber diversity, nutrient diversity, and uh, a, a bit of a cheaper stretch of something from the pantry. You could do that with a tin of beans as well, but the um, beans in the packet are just so cheap. If you can just remember to soak them with a little bit of citrus or vinegar during the day, if not the day before, overnight, uh, before you cook them so that they're nice and easy to digest or certainly easier that way. So that's my number one tip, incorporate a tin of beans in the mix. Now with the cut of meat that I was talking about in terms of um, a kilo of meat going down a little bit, um, could you also look at the cheapest possible cut? Because if you're doing stews, soups, uh, casseroles and things like that, you just, I mean, chuck is really fine or an oyster blade really really fine you do not need to be buying diced rump for things like that and often it's not until we have to penny pinch that we realize these things but I'm telling you right now even if you don't have to penny pinch just get the cheapest stuff it's all going to be in a really big long slow cook and this can often mean that you can keep buying your organic or your grass-fed options and just trade down a couple of cuts. Same with could you cook more meals that are revolve around mints and do sort of variations on San Choy Bao and Mexican and things like that instead of serving a rump steak uh, if you're meat eaters. So that's a little bit of an idea around uh, dinner. Another one, of course, is switching from asking yourself what you fancy uh, and, you know, always starting from scratch every single meal and, and then requiring all the ingredients. You know, there are a lot of meal planning, membership clubs and things. And look, they can be great for inspiration. They really can. But I always caution um, whether you're then having to load up your pantry with uh, Vietnamese spices and herbs and then the next meal plan you need all the Indian stuff and then the next meal plan you need all the Greek stuff and the, you know, and then of course everyone's trying to be really original so they keep trying to discover different cuisines that people haven't heard of yet and then you have to buy a whole bunch of specialty ingredients for those. Could you actually pair that right back keep things a little bit more basic, cook in themes for days at a time that allow you to then do some more meal morphing, i.e. you've got something left over from last night, let's turn that into something that can contribute to tonight and start thinking that way instead of what do I fancy or let's have something exciting. Um, don't think of your home as Uber Eats where we can all just have these wonderful ideas for all these different cuisines that can come out of our kitchens over a one-week period. But think of it more like Grandma's Kitchen because Grandma's Kitchen was not an expensive kitchen to run and it was a very resourceful kitchen and there were always parts of meals being used up the next day, either as easy lunches to take to school rather than people buying canteen meals, um, make canteen like more of a special like a Friday situation or... Um, uh, you know, whatever works for you guys, but really start to think, what do I need to use up or what can contribute to the next day of my cooking 
rather than always thinking, what do I fancy? What's exciting? And what could I cook from scratch? Ooh, if I'm doing that, then I'm going to need to buy kaffir lime leaves and lemongrass and ginger. And if you didn't have all of those things, then, you know, that can be expensive. So instead think, right, well, the last couple of nights I've done Euro stuff. Could I turn that Euro stuff like the leftover, let's say I've got leftover bolognese, could I turn that with a tin of red kidney beans and a packet of taco spice into a Mexican chili con carne with rice tonight and some zucchini on the side? And think more in relatable themes that you can transition to cheaply um, with ingredients and spices that you have at hand rather than reinventing the wheel and jumping all around the world all the time, which is quite a modern trend uh, and certainly not an ancestral one if you think back. Uh, And don't be obsessed with always finding the newness and excitement from food. Our culture has asked us to do that, but instead find the newness and excitement in the seasons Uh, in the produce that's available, and that will help you start to save on food and then remembering always what have I got in the pantry or the freezer that could make a contribution to this meal and bulk it up a bit. And that will start to gently, easily, and in a non-stressful way, save you money in the day-to-day. Then if you want to jump to Asian cuisines the next week, then invest in that a beautiful big knob of fresh ginger and uh, a couple of lemongrasses and then think about the couple of things you could then transition to where you start with a curry and then it becomes a more of a soupy thing with some rice noodles the next night and things are related for a few nights so that you can use things from the new stuff you've bought for that cuisine over the week and then it doesn't go off as well, which is a huge part of not only food waste, but a massive loss of what you actually um, invest in for your kitchen and meals. A lot of it ends up going down the drain. I know that because you and I may have talked about this when we've done a live event or when you've been on one of my courses. It happens. It's super common. Uh, And to then just um, throw things away because you did a curry and then there was nothing you needed any of those ingredients for for the next three nights uh, is a surefire way to to waste food. So a tip on that as well is to also think, okay, I've used coriander for this. Do I have anything that I could make uh, that uses coriander tomorrow? And if you don't, chop it up, put it in the freezer and then you buys you three months to use up that coriander and then you haven't wasted it. Don't be the person in denial who thinks, no, no, I'll get around to using that at the end of the the week or yeah, yeah, I'll find something to put that in tomorrow. And then you don't, and then it wilts and then it gets blacky and brownie. And then you spend two days in denial and thinking you still might be able to use it. And then you see mold and then it's all over and you've wasted $2 out of your $3 bunch of of coriander. Uh, So we have to be really real about our weeks, our capacity, our cooking ability, and just make things a bit simpler and cook in themes that you're comfortable with for a few days on the trot. And I guarantee you, you will waste less food and you will save a lot of money uh, doing it that way. A lot of our kids 
have grown up in quite an entitled world where they feel like they can go and buy snacks and canteen meals or meals in the city on the way to school all the time. And you have to just remind them that that's actually super wasteful. It involves a ton of extra packaging that's not great for the planet. And we're going to pair that right back and you're going to start taking more leftovers to school in hot pots. That's what we do. Uh, and uh, our boy only gets to choose his lunch out and about once a week because <laughs> you just kind of look and you think, okay, I'm really not comfortable with a whole bunch of plastic packaging in the mix all of a sudden and uh, and all the rest that comes with the ingredients that might be used when you're buying those food court lunches that might not be ideal, which, of course, with teenagers you can't control everything and there is a bigger element of go with the flow, I think, in that teenage tribal culture. You really don't want to make your kid the ostracized one either, but there is a balance that you obviously have to respect if you're respecting a budget, but also raising aware humans who get just how much wasteful packaging is involved and how much the ingredients from a lot of food court options are unfortunately from extractive farming, really just remind them that they're in a much bigger picture of things, um, which can be really helpful for their own growth as teenagers as well. Um, Some of the other ways we can save money is by joining co-ops and we're at a time where, uh, thank gosh, post-pandemic people are really craving more connection, communication, uh, bonds to be grown with people uh, and just spending real time with people uh, again and uh, let's hope we never go back there. Uh, And I think Co-ops are a beautiful way to come together with people. It can be as easy as just searching on Facebook to see if there are particular co-op groups in your area uh, and um, and joining one up. Or you could join a community garden and often with those situations, especially if you don't have your own space to grow at home, it'll give you a connection with people, it'll get your hands in the dirt, it'll get you grounding and being in nature Uh, But it also gets you food for free for a few hours of your time working in the community garden, which, you know, and often the memberships are like $30 to $60 a year to be a part of the community garden and join the roster of people caring for that garden. Uh, And there's no better way to plug into a community than uh, and to, to really get in touch with your sense of place and what grows successfully there and what grows seasonally there than joining a community garden. If you're not a natural gardener yourself, you'll be learning from people who are more experienced. It's just a beautiful way to get started, especially for the city peeps who crave it but don't really know how to do it or every time you've tried to grow tomatoes at home or on your balcony they've died, join a community garden. It's it's just a beautiful way to plug in uh, to a deeper sense of community and place. If you do grow some food successfully, these days there are some really great apps all around the world for swapping your produce, something you might have an excess of, uh, something other people might have an excess of, and if those are different things, then, hey, you can swap. And there are swap meetups. There are lots of different iterations of what this looks like around the world. But, again, you can just search online. You can search an app store typing in things like food swap or crop swap and see what comes up near you. 
Another thing that I think is a really exciting way to generate more of a sense of community and shared work as a, you know, it takes a village as a concept is could you make a triple batch of a meal for economy of scale? This is great as well, because you're just buying uh, a whole bunch of one type of set of ingredients. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, cooking in cuisine themes rather than jumping around the world to save money. Um, but then also engaging two friends to do the same thing. And on a Monday morning at school drop-off or at the office, you then swap out the batches so that you give one friend, one batch of yours and another friend, another batch of yours, and you've kept the third batch. And then they do the same with the triple batches they cooked. And then on a Monday morning, you've been given your Tuesday and Wednesday night dinners to add to your Monday night dinner that you made and you've done the same thing for them. It can be a great way to lighten the domestic load if you're the person who's carrying it the most. It can be an awesome way to share, swap recipes. You know, when someone else cooks for you, it's often so much tastier than what you make for yourself simply because they just cook differently. So it's exciting. Coming back to that human desire for new and exciting Uh, that can be a really wonderful, simple way to start connecting and lightening the load as well as um, making it a little easier on the budget. Uh, And then a couple more super simple ideas when it comes to food is could you cut your um, lunchbox bars that you make, chocolate squares that you make? Uh, Could you make the bliss balls a bit smaller, the cake slices a bit smaller? For the things that you don't need to survive, i.e. sweet treats, could you simply consider half, half a serving? So you still get it, but you get a little bit less. Now that's actually really great for your insulin and glucose, as well as for your pocket, saving money on the treats that you might be making for say lunch boxes or having people over or kids coming over after school. Could you diversify and do a few crudités with a smashed avocado and a small piece of um, cake or a nice slice rather than uh, huge amounts of more laborious, expensive stuff um, that you either have to make yourself or buy. Uh, And then non-alcoholic drinks. There's been a huge boom in people drinking less or quitting drinking altogether, which that's awesome. If it's making you feel good, if you noticed it was an issue for you, then how fantastic that you've found the motivation somehow to change that up. What I'm not loving is seeing a lot of sugar, a lot of different types of preservatives, acids, synthetic flavors, natural flavors even that turns out can be synthetic anyway uh, in terms of the way they're produced in the non-alcoholic zhuzhi drinks section. So we're not talking about soft drinks, but now we have non-alcoholic wines, non-alcoholic gins, non-alcoholic cocktails, pre-mixed non-alcoholic cans of things. This is all just still producing just as much waste as the soda market um, and often can be just as bad as alcohol in that you are still having calories or histamines uh, or that sugar impact on the liver or the preservatives and additives. Colors are often used to make things look enticing 
nothing wrong with a non-alcoholic champagne on the weekend if, if you're really loving that and it's actually helping be a really useful stopgap um, to reduce your alcohol consumption, then that's absolutely something worth weighing up the risk-benefit analysis on um, in terms of, you know, if you cut it back and then you're just replacing it with drinking a lot again, then that's not ideal. But could you actually just pimp your water a bit more successfully, get a really beautiful carafe and a really nice sparkling mineral water? Could you add some fresh lemon to it? Could you make your own elderflower cordial, uh, you know, as a little project? Could you um, make a beautiful syrup with uh, orange juice and vanilla bean and bubble it down and add that to mineral water uh, with a squeeze of lime and some fresh mint and, and serve that on ice to make it a bit more fancier in a wine glass? All I'm saying here is these non-alcoholic uh, beverages also cost quite a bit of cash. Uh, and if we're trying to save cash, and we're actually trying to be low tox, then ditching the additives that we often find in them can be a good idea as well. So, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> those are some ideas on food. And here I was thinking I was going to do a super quick podcast with some tips, and I've already talked for half an hour just about the food topic. So I'm wondering if I make this a series. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to just talk about low-tox body care and then next week I'm going to do home and mind. I've made an executive decision with you right now so that I don't chew your ear off today and and take up too much of your time. So let's talk about low-tox body care and saving money. Now, if you are still using shower gels, in the shower, especially for the adults and the teens, switch to bar soap immediately. This will save you a ton of cash. It will also save a ton of plastic. Uh, I'm not a zero plastic person in my personal care and cleaning products. I still have some in the mix. Uh, I'm always weighing up how much I love a brand and what they're doing versus how much convenience I get from certain products or performance. Like there are a lot of things to weigh up as we reduce our plastics overall. But one that I just find incredibly easy to do is to go from the bath gel tube to a bar soap that's wrapped in paper. Super simple swap from the outset. Now, uh, when it comes to the kids bath, if you're still using a bath gel because they like the foam or the bubbles, could you actually just use a tiny bit less? So I remember when I read French, French women don't get fat and it was the consider 50%. Let's consider 50% with a lot of things when it comes to saving money. Do we need to use the same 10 pumps of shampoo the second time? I say 10 because I've got really long, thick hair. So I, I actually use quite a bit for the first shampoo, but I switched to just doing one or two little pumps for the second rinse that lathers up a bit more once the the scalp oil is gone and and it was fine. My hair is still lasting six days with no shampoo in between, but I have effectively used 30% less of the shampoo that I used to use, which is saving me 30% on probably the most expensive item I buy. Uh, in my low-tox personal care because I use it all, all the time and because I use a really good brand. 
Um, actually, I should tell you because otherwise people are going to be like, what do you use? And I'll get a ton of DNs. I use Everessence. I'm not paid to say that. Uh, it's a great Aussie brand and, uh, and it's a beautiful quality product. So that's a little idea. How much less could you use of what you're using? Could you just be more mindful of the quantities? And that in its most basic form is going to be the simplest way you can save money in the low-tox body and personal care categories. Next tip is if you're someone who really does love getting your nails done or your toenails done, could you turn that into a catch-up with a girlfriend uh, and enjoy that time together and have a cuppa at one of your houses, balcony, sunshine, doing your mani-pedi together, having a chat instead of in one of those high-tox salons pumping hormone disruptive chemicals and acetone into the atmosphere for you to breathe in. A, you're saving cash. B, you're making it a much more low tox exercise. And then you can at least use one of the seven free or 10 free nail polish ranges that's reducing a lot of the the big no-nos in the more mainstream brands. And uh, and so you're killing two birds with one sword there, saving money on many petties. Uh, and saving yourself from endocrine disruptive and carcinogenic ingredient inhalation. I am here for that. Um, Next thing is, uh, obviously, people might like to do a facial or go and have a pamper treatment, and maybe you do it once a month or once a season right now. Could you turn it into a birthday activity and in the off months where you're not going to the salon anymore, could you buy a really nice face mask or could you turn it into a bit of a project to make one yourself? I have a ton of ideas in my first book, Low Tox Life, uh, in, on the DIY front and there's some really lovely ones there. And really turn it into a beautiful special occasion. Maybe you put on some music that you love, a favourite tea that you enjoy, make sure that someone can take the kids for a few hours so that you can really have your alone time and pamper yourself Um, Maybe do it with a girlfriend and then you could do the face mask mani-pedi all in one go uh, and really turn it into the occasions that you create and make time for rather than the concept of missing out or having to go without or ditch um, things that you love. So just make it happen in a different way and then you can still do the thing and save the money. And then, of course, the next thing I want to say on this subject is do you need all the things? Really think about what you love to do versus what you feel you might be expected to do in society. I've spoken, I mean, I love to do my hair color. I absolutely love getting um, a really lovely hair color done. Ironically, it's the hair color I grew up with that I have, after decades of dyeing it every which color, I have found again. But of course, the reality is now there's probably about half gray under there these days. But I really, really love that and I will not stop doing that. That's my one big self-pamper buying thing. But I definitely know I can run an ice cube over my face and it gives me the same feeling as using a toner. So I don't buy a toner anymore. Same feeling. In fact, probably a little bit better for stimulating blood flow uh, in terms of its effectiveness. Then uh, I 
don't, I think the last time I went for a facial is about three years ago now, four actually. Uh, I have a beautiful product that I use on my face. I'll put some ideas in the show notes for you guys uh, in terms of um, uh, uh, having gentle fruit acids in it to really give my face a good polish also using a really good face polish. Um, but you can do these with DIY options as well. So you don't have to buy products. You can mash a strawberry up and that is your fruit acid treatment that you just leave on for a few minutes and then rinse off. You can grind up rice in your Thermomix and use that sort of rough ground with a little bit of olive oil, for example, things in your pantry. Um, so your ground up rice, just add a few drops of olive oil and then use that as a face exfoliant, a polish, if you like. And then it's hydrating as well. And when you rinse it off, uh, you could you could do all sorts of things. And again, in my first book, I've got a lot of DIY options for personal care, a great cuticle treatment as well that leaves your fingers feeling baby smooth. Uh, and there's just so many options that you could save on by just starting to think as you run out of things, what don't I really need? Did I, do I do that because I think I have to, or do I do that because I love it? And the think you have to for you could actually be the color in your hair. And you think, oh, actually don't love coloring my hair and I'd love to actually lean into going gray naturally. And what might that look like? Um, because if you're coloring your hair blonde, boom, that's going to be saving you $250, $300 a month. If you live in Sydney, I don't, I can't speak for prices everywhere in the world. I know I got my hair done in New York once and I nearly fell off my chair and had to do that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That was great. When I handed $600 over that I'm very grateful I actually had at the time. Um, but I was so shocked by how expensive that was. So uh, it, you can really end up saving a huge amount of money by simply deciding not to color your hair if that's something that you after a bit of reflection, realize you don't particularly love doing? Or could you talk to your colorist about moving to a balayage style of coloring that affords you a few more uh, weeks between visits while you're trying to tighten the belt or you're saving up for something? There can be a whole bunch of, maybe you just don't have the half day. I don't have the half day every month. Uh, and so I just stretch it out and, and, uh, and deal with it. Um, so hopefully in there, there are a few ideas. Obviously, uh, it's going to look different for everybody, but I encourage everyone, especially on the low-tox face and body care front, to for the very first step to decide what you love because you love it versus decide what you're doing because you think you have to or you think you're trying to maintain something. Maybe you could just switch to nude nails and a good nail file once a week and leave it at that. You know, we often have been born into situations that normalize certain practices week in, week out, especially in urban areas, office environments, uh, or, you know, maybe a lot of beauty conscious friends. And you can often 
find yourself, I know I have in the past, going with the flow with everybody and where they're going without really thinking about what you want to do and what you want to prioritize. So that for me, when it comes to low-tox body and face care swaps, is really the first thing you want to be thinking about. And so I hope I've given you a few ideas on today's show about saving money, if that's been a priority for you of late, as it has for a lot of people, when it comes to personal care, body products, and uh, food. And I would love to hear more questions that you have as we unpack this, because as you heard me say earlier on, executive decision, I've decided to turn this into a little mini series And next week, I will be tackling saving money and simplifying when it comes to the home and when it comes to low-tox mental and physical health. There are so many things that I have on my list to cover. And in realizing that that would make this a two-hour podcast, I'm going to leave you there to your beautiful Uh, day ahead, maybe do some journaling, some reflecting, check out the show notes with some of the recommendations and ideas I've got there. And uh, here's to all of us living a low-tox life on our terms, the way we want, and with what we're prioritizing right now, rather than the cultural pull and the external pull to all the things to be all the things out there for people. I hope it's been a helpful show. And remember, we do what we do most of the time so we can go with the flow some of the time. It's not going to be perfect all the time. You're going to be with friends and want to go with the flow. Uh, Loosen the belt, relax the low-tox rules. That's completely fine. Our body can handle the odd assault. It just can't handle the 24-7 situation that our modern life has pressed upon us. And that is what you and I are here to change. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on next week's show. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days. If this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lowtoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart. 
founder of Low Tox Life.